Welcome to the Everyday Saints podcast, where we are exploring what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus in everyday life. I'm your host, Gary Ludicky, and today I'm flying solo as we wrap up season three. And so I want to hit some of the highlights of season three. I want to share uh, an experience that I've had recently that's just kind of ripped from the headlines of my own life. Um, But this season, season three, we have been looking at the value of seeing others. Jesus modeled this. He lived it out. Uh, If you read through the Gospels, you will see that Jesus had some some interactions with people where he really saw who they were. And before we we dive in, I I just want to kind of get back to the definition. When we say seeing others, what are we talking about? So we've asked every single person this season what that, what that phrase means to them. Uh, as It can be kind of this cultural buzzword, uh, seeing others. I see you. Uh, it comes from the movie Avatar, kind of made it really popular. Like this was a, a way of saying, like, I can see into who you are, and I don't judge you, and I see, I see the real you. And so... Uh, it, if I were to define this, and it has kind of a two-part meaning. So on the, on the surface, right, seeing others is literally about paying attention to people that can get overlooked, that maybe society or culture overlooks on a normal basis. So paying attention to those people and making them feel seen, making them feel like they matter is part of seeing others. But on a deeper level, Seeing others is, is really about like looking through the facade, getting past the facade and the mask that we wear to see what's really going on with someone, see who they really are and, and what's really going on in their heart and in their soul. So again, Jesus did this more than anybody else. He was a master at seeing others. Um, He asked people questions that really just cut through um, all of the protective exterior. I I, I still, like, I come back to the question that he asks um, the, the lame man that was by the pool of Bethesda, and I asked him, do you want to be healed? Uh, and I mean, you think, you think about that question and it's like, well, it's obvious he wants to be healed. He's sitting by this pool that supposedly got some sort of magical waters that are going to heal him. But when Jesus asked that question, you start thinking like, what, what kinds of thoughts was this man having in that moment? What, what was it that, that was going on in his brain? Like, do I want to be healed? Like I've lived for so long with this ailment do I really know what life is going to be like if he heals me? And there's a whole lot of baggage that you bring into that question that you don't even realize. But Jesus wants to know at the heart of everything, do you just want to be able to walk so that you don't have to lay by the pool or do you truly want to be healed? And that's a deep question that you really have to sit there and go, wait a minute. What's going on in my soul right now? And he did this multiple times throughout the Gospels. So it's not just that one, that one instance. <clears throat> so this season we've been, we've been talking about that. And we've, I've talked with Fred Cox. I've talked with my wife, Chrissy. Uh, I had a conversation with Mary Marquard. And then on the last episode, 
I talked with Mike Narvaez and uh, Justin Sullivan, um, who we just kind of talked about one of um, our elders who recently passed away, Russell Scrayhot, and the way that he embodied this and lived this out. And so I want to hit some of the highlights, some of the things that were most memorable from those conversations with you guys uh, as a little teaser that if you haven't listened to those episodes, I want you to go back and listen to them. So Fred, okay, Fred, <laughs> he works at HEB. He's the guy that stands uh, by the little kiosk and he gives samples. And he's trying to get you to taste the samples so that you want to buy the product, right? So in a way, Fred's a salesman, but Fred has turned it into a ministry. Um, I, don't, I don't know that he really would say he turned it into a ministry, but that's my words because he has conversations with people. Somehow, in this job that he has of giving samples out to people, he gets to know people and, and build a relationship with them. Uh, he, he was asking for prayer for one of his customers because his, he, know, he found out that his customer was having a kidney transplant coming up. That's the kind of guy who's, who's given you the samples that he is. Like, he cares. He wants to know what's going on in your life. He sees you, and he gets past the facade into, into something that matters more. And he asks if he can pray f- with people about stuff. It's, it's an incredible thing um, that he's doing, and it's just because he cares. He loves people, and he cares about what's going on in their lives. And then in my conversation with Chrissy, um, I obviously loved getting to, to share um, and have a conversation with her in this format where other people get to listen in on the conversation that we had because, you know, she's, she's a school teacher in the public school system and she shared a lot about her experience being the choir director and how, like, the whole job is about making sure that these kids feel seen and feel like they're a part of something bigger than themselves. And I, I loved how she talked about like developing a, a mission statement in their choir. Now, that's cool and all, but what I really loved was the mission statement that they developed was all about making sure every single one of the students in the choir felt like they were a part of it. They felt seen. They felt like they mattered to the entire choir. And the reality is if you have that mission statement and every single student in that choir decides to take ownership of that mission, they, they buy into that and they are going to be all about that mission, then they're going to see each other. They're going to notice when a kid walks into the room and they're just off, that something's bugging them. They're going to ask what's going on. They're going to care about each other because they are all in this thing together. And they want to see each other. And I love the fact that they, they brought that part of themselves, her and, and her assistant choir director, they brought that part of themselves into that choir program. And they infused it into every single one of the choir students. And it became this thing where the entire choir was built on seeing others and paying attention to each other and caring about each other. It's just an, an amazing thing that can happen when when we infuse that and we influence others to carry that value as well. And then my, my conversation with Mary Marquardt. So Mary um, 
has experienced some some tragedy in life. Um, not only was she diagnosed with cancer, um, and and she's now in remission, but uh, her daughter passed away recently as well. And Mary has found a way to turn those hurts, those things that are sources of deep wounds inside of her, and she's turned that into a way to serve others and to see others um, by creating these these pillows that are meant to be like pillows for cancer patients and for people that, you know, she, you can make those pillows for people that have had um, heart surgeries and things like that. Um, but these are, these are people that maybe don't feel seen sometimes. Like they're going through something pretty horrific in life and this ministry that she's put together to make these pillows and she's even attached her daughter's name to it to help her like tie this whole thing together. But the purpose was to make people feel seen in a moment when they're terrified, when they're, they're going through one of the worst experiences of their life and they're walking through it with all kinds of doubt, all kinds of emotional turmoil going on. But by giving this gift, it lets them know they matter to someone that someone's thinking about that someone loves them enough to provide this thing. It's just a a small token, a source of comfort in that moment. And so, um, I just, I loved hearing Mary share about that. And she shared some other things, um, just about her own life. And uh, we just had a really good conversation, lots of, lots of laughs and, and some tears. But then uh, our, our conversation on the last episode with Justin and Mike uh, talking about Russell. Um, Russell was such an example to live up to. Like, I, I look at his life and I, I look at us and I go, yes, he is an example for us to live up to. And I, quite honestly, as I look at who Russell was, um, I, I loved him dearly. He wasn't doing anything crazy extraordinary uh he did the simple things that he was he saw that he was supposed to do from scripture and he just obeyed it in fact james 122 was kind of a theme verse at his memorial service about not just listening to the word but doing what it says not deceiving ourselves by just hearing it but going and obeying god's word and he just lived that out for everyone to see, and it had such a fruitful impact because he saw in, in Scripture where he's supposed to care about people, and he's supposed to teach them. He's supposed to get together with people and discuss God's Word, and he did it. He did it all the time, and just by obeying God, he made such a huge impact on other people. And so, again, it was a great conversation. We, we laughed uh, and cried a little bit in that conversation as well. And I would love, again, if you have not listened to the earlier episodes of this season, go back. Like, turn this off right now. Go back and listen to it. Uh, you, will, you will be thankful and grateful that you did. You will relate. You will connect. In fact, if you haven't listened to the first two seasons of this podcast, like, go all the way back to the beginning. Such great stories. These are people who are in our church that are just in everyday life choosing to be disciples of Jesus. And this is, these are their stories of what that looks like in their life. But I also wanted to share, um, just again, ripped kind of from the headlines of, uh, of my own life, a couple of different ways that 
I have experienced this concept of seeing others just from, from the other side, not how necessarily I have done it well. I'm not going to sit here and, and tell you how I've done it well. But I want to share how my family and I have felt seen. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start uh, going back uh, about a year ago. Um, and I'm, I'm not going to give a whole lot of details. I, I want to, you know, protect uh, a little bit of the privacy of my family here. But um, both of our kids had some struggles at school last year. Um, there were just some different things going on. Each of them was completely different. Um, but they were having struggles at school. And one of the things that just, it, it spoke so deeply to me about how um, people in the public school system care so deeply about our kids. Um, and I, I hope you've experienced this as well, but one of the, one of the administrators uh, at the school that they were going to noticed uh, my daughter was, was struggling, having some, some issues with behavior and trying to figure out what the source of that is and things. But, um, and, and my, my daughter, Sophia, she is, um, she's adopted. And so she's, she's black and, uh, we, we do our best doing her hair and things like that. But this is a cultural thing. Like we're, we're still learning. My wife does such a great job trying to stay on top of it, keep her, keep her hair, um, oiled and, and all that. But, um, the principal just took, took notice of her that something was out of character with her. And she decided to ask if she could do Sophia's hair. Um, because she, she knows what to do with it. She, she does her own daughter's hair and things like that. And it, it spoke such volumes to us. Uh, and we, we could have easily taken offense at that, like, oh, we're not able to do our, our daughter's hair. But we didn't do that because this was a moment for someone else to connect with our daughter um, in a way that made her feel seen. And she was, man, if you could see the look on her face when this administrator took time at, at school to do her hair and make her feel seen. Oh, the beaming smile that she had, the pride that she had in the braids on her head. It was incredible. It was absolutely incredible. Like, I, I get a little choked up just, just thinking about the difference that that made in my daughter's life. And it was such a big deal. And, uh, you know, this, as I look at it, like, um, I, I feel like that made such a big deal, such an impact on her that like, um, you fast forward and she's actually switched schools this year, uh, with Chrissy going to an, another elementary school. She brought, uh, both of our kids with her to the elementary school. Um, but she has had just an excellent beginning of the school year so far. Like she has been uh, just all around learning her behavior, just everything has been great. And I, I believe a lar large part of that is she had a moment where things could have unraveled a little bit for her, but someone saw her and just gave her a little bit of attention in that. Um, and so that, that was a huge deal. Uh, and I, I can say as well, uh, Andrew had some people last year um, that, that walked alongside him and made him feel seen. And I've seen that 
continue on this year. Uh, when, when your kids are struggling at school, um, for those of you that don't have kids who struggle at school, you get phone calls. Um, and you get phone calls from administrators. You get phone calls from counselors. You get phone calls from teachers. I kid you not. Like, I, this, this just, it's so personal to me, and it's just an emotional thing. But when I get phone calls about my son from the school, every single time I talk to them, they tell me how much they love him and how great of a kid he is and how he's got this one little hang-up that they're trying to help him get past because he's got such potential. And when I hear that, the, like, as a dad, like, it makes my heart want to explode because, like, I, they see the same thing I see, and they see through the behavior. They see through the facade that he's trying to put up to protect himself to who he really is. And, man, it just, it, it blows me away. Um, if you have kids who are in public school, um, they have a terribly hard job. Uh, there's a whole lot of different um, stipulations and things that, that they, have to, they have to go by. But in my experience, this is mine, uh, it's not everybody's, but in my experience, um, the public schools care deeply about all of the kids at the school. Um, even the ones who maybe are having some troubles and struggles. Um, I, I would say even especially those kids. But there, there is, there's a special type of person, and I'm, I'm bragging a little bit on my wife here too, there's a special type of person that goes into education um, and they know they're going to be confronted with situations with kids that are just having, having some sort of issues and they just want to see them. They want to help them get past it. And so that is, that is something my family has experienced uh, at a really, really high level. Um, and it's, it's an emotional thing to, to, to see that someone wants to partner with you in this. And they do it, and they, they are with you in it. But the other thing that I've experienced recently um, is just, you know, with some of the struggles as a family that you have you know when we have struggles at school with the kids or maybe it's a hard season at work or you're just really feeling like depressed or anxious or whatever the feelings are um what you what I tend to do in those moments is withdraw right I want to isolate myself I don't want to be seen by other people because there's there's a fear of rejection that I have that if, if they see what's going on with me right now, I feel like they might not accept it. They might judge me. They might reject me. And so um, when we have things like that going on, you know, the tendency is to withdraw and isolate ourselves. And I'm no different. And so recently we had uh, a night where our small group was supposed to get together um, we had some people that weren't able to make it for, for various reasons. And it was that moment where we thought, okay, maybe we just cancel. We're having a really rough night. Like, we're struggling. Like, as a family, we're having struggles right now. And so, ended up texting the people in our group that 
um, that would be able to make it. And instead of saying, hey, I think we're just going to cancel tonight. You know, people aren't going to make it. And uh, we're already struggling a little bit. Instead of doing that, chose to say, hey, you know, several people aren't going to make it. We are really having a rough time and would love for someone to come over and pray with us. And that was, it was a, a moment of vulnerability, just sending that text message. But at the same time, um, we had two couples show up and they listened to us as we shared. Um, and there were tears. Um, we shared some hard truths, uh, some, some things that were going on in our minds and our hearts. And they listened. They related. Um, they shared some of their own stuff that was going on. They encouraged us with words of scripture and with truth and helped us to see like that we don't have to believe the lies uh, about the story that we're telling. And then we prayed together. And I had this experience where my wife and I felt seen in that moment deeper than, than just like, hey, we had our small group meeting and there was some vulnerability shared. That happens and we want that to happen. But this was like this moment where at a, at a low point, having people come and say, let me, let me help pick you up. It just made us feel seen. And that is, guys, if I could express this uh, to whoever's listening right now, that is why we do small groups. That's why we do, that's why we're always telling you, you need to be in community in the church. Because when you show up on Sunday, you don't have that kind of community. Um, you can, but it's not necessarily designed for that. But that's what the small groups are designed for, is to get smaller where the relationships can get stronger and deeper to where when somebody's having that kind of issue, they can share it, they can get met, they can feel seen, they can be prayed over, and we can walk through it together. And so that is one of those things. I'm, I'm just going to include um, a link uh, in the show notes to sign up for a small group. If you're not already in one, man, you need to be in one. I, I can't promise you're going to have the exact same experience that I had, but I hope you do. Um, that's, that's what it's designed to be, is a place where everyone has people. Everyone has someone they can call on, someone that they can ask to come over when they're struggling to pray with. That's what it's meant for. And also in the show notes below, as, as I'm closing out here, as I have every episode this season, I, I want to reiterate, we've got a, a link to uh, a page on our website that highlights some ministries in our community that are focused on seeing people that maybe get overlooked in life sometimes. Um, and we want you to be able to connect with those ministries and go serve with those ministries and go see people in our community that get overlooked. So please take a moment, click on that link and explore some of those ministries and ways you might be able to get involved. But for now, guys, I just I thank you for listening in. Uh, thanks for tuning in to season three, and we'll see you next time on the Everyday Saints podcast. Mm-hmm.